Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Scott Luton and Jenny Froome here with you on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Jenny, how you doing? I'm doing well, sitting here in the dark in power, power cut in South Africa. But other than that, I'm doing very well. So sorry for the poor lighting. No, no, no. Well, I think this is an opportunity to share some information that might be in folks' blind spot, right? Jenny, on the last couple shows, you know, we do a, a series on Supply Chain Now called Supply Chain Leadership Across Africa. And on the last show, you and I were hosting Power sh- Load Shedding claimed at least one, if not two of our guests, and you're experiencing this same load shedding right now. So you're dependent upon battery power there in South Africa. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, we're going through a bit of a crisis at the moment. Um, we're having up to nine hours a day with no electricity. So it's it's done in blocks. So we've just started our four and a half hour block here up in Joburg. Um, we wow. also just had a huge electrical storm. So for a moment there, it felt like it was the end of the world, but we're all right. We're here and we're ready to go. Well, we should all be grateful uh, for what we have and what we experience or don't experience. And Jenny, we were on an interview earlier today with the great Nikki Scott, and it's like, Mm -hmm. you just keep making it happen. Regardless, whatever uh, (laughs) challenges are thrown at you, you just keep on moving forward. So love that. And great to have you here because, you know, Greg White, he's on assignment somewhere. He's uh, building research or uh, he's doing something big, right? Secret mission. Secret (laughs) mission. All right, but folks, you're in for a treat here. Not only is Jenny Froome joining me as a guest co-host, we got one of our most popular and longest-running series. It's Supply Chain Today and Tomorrow with Mike Griswold with Gartner. So today, Jenny, it is an Ask Mike Anything episode. So folks, get your questions. I see Gino's one of the first folks in. Get your questions. Bring them because I don't think Mike, Jenny, Jenny, I don't think Mike has seen a question that scares him yet, huh? Mm-mm. No, I've, I always watch these ones and I always come away having learned something. And you're right. He never shies away from answering anything. Ever, ever, ever. So great to have him. He'll be joining us in just a minute. Hey, before he does, we definitely want to share just a couple uh, quick things with you. So one resource here, this is our With That Said LinkedIn newsletter. This is the image from the last one. Jenny, this always strikes me. I'm a big Norman Rockwell fan. This is like modern pseudo Norman Rockwell, this this beautiful image here of all these different folks from around the world. So we use that as kind of a vehicle to celebrate many of our listeners and subscribers and folks that are part of at least the With That Said audience and had a blast. Jenny, you and I have commented on, on some of these uh, every, every now and again. What's your thoughts on this newsletter here? Oh, I, I think it's great. And you always manage to bring such interesting and topical articles and it's a definite must read. Well, we try. I was, I was kind of shame on me. I was fishing for a compliment there, Jenny. I shouldn't do that. So, but hey, <laughs> I you know, think it's rubbish. <laughs> I don't bother to read it. What was I going to say? Hey, we have a blast doing it, and I really like this one. Our team took a minute to kind of dive into uh, the subscribers and lift them up because they're doing some really cool things. Uh, so, y'all check that out. You can venture over to our supply chain now company page and subscribe to that, or, or check out any of the recent uh, versions. 
And then also, on a more serious note, one of the most rewarding initiatives we've been a part of this year is uh, led by our friends at Vector Global Logistics, and they have been pushing this Leveraging Logistics for Ukraine initiative going on probably six months now. And Jenny, we got to get updated figures, but already over 500,000 pounds of vetted humanitarian relief has been shipped via this effort to families in need and folks in need in Ukraine and Poland and elsewhere. The next planning session is December 13th, 11 a.m. Eastern time. Folks, you can join. You don't have to give. There's no expectation. You can join and just and kind of be a fly on the wall and absorb all the, the market intel and, and um, intelligence and information that's shared. And if you're in a position to, to share, give of any level, that'd be wonderful too. But uh, Jenny, these efforts, I mean, this is why it's such a special time to be in the world of global supply chain, right? Absolutely. And well done to Vector Logistics for the initiative and to you guys for supporting this. I was talking to a colleague today who has a, a colleague in Ukraine who's trying to keep his company going and has to come off calls because they have to go down into a bomb shelter. And I'm sitting here complaining about no electricity and you just, you know, you have to really things into perspective. Man, so well said, Jenny. Uh, So folks, if you're so inclined, our team has dropped a link to the planning session. Again, you just got to sign up and then you can just be a fly on the wall if you'd like or you can find a way to jump in and and participate. So that next session, Tuesday, December 13th at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Okay, let's say hello to a couple quick folks and then we're going to bring in the one and only Mike Griswold. Jenny, I'm looking forward to this. Gene Pledger, as I mentioned, Gino, uh, is with us. Gino, I've just revisited your email. Gino's getting ready to share some of his expertise with our global supply chain now family. So we'll be reconnecting soon. And Jenny, did you know Gene Pledger is a rock and roll drummer in his spare time? Fantastic. Yes. And lots of letters after his name as well. So he must be jolly clever. <laughs> jolly clever he is. Tom mm-hmm. Raftery is with us as, all, uh, as, hey, uh, as well. And of course, Tom, we all love that. I'm about to say hat. It's not hat. It doesn't do it justice. What would you call it? A derby? Is that that's not a derby? What kind of hat is that, Jenny? Oh, now you've got me on the spot. I don't know. It's a. I don't know. I don't know. It'll come to me when the show's finished. I'm sure. Well, it's iconic. And Tom, hope you're doing well. And great to see you here as well. Welcome everybody. Y'all keep the comments coming. Keep the your questions from Mike Griswold coming. We've we've already had the team has our team has been pulsed. So we've got uh, a little list we're going to start with, but we'd ha- be happy to supplement that list with what y'all may be on your mind. And hey, really quick, Tom says it is an Acubra Fedora. How about that? It's Australian. Is, is the Acubra an Australian brand? Not that we're advertising. Yes. Ah, got look it. here. Man. I said it before you told me. Tom is on the money. I love it. Learn something new every day. But uh, welcome, Tom Raftery. Okay. So with no further ado, Jenny, you ready to get down to work? I'm ready. I am too. So with no further ado, I want to welcome in our friend, the one and only Mike Griswold, Vice President Analyst with Gartner. Hey, hey, Mike, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing well, thanks. Hi, everyone. Jenny, good to see you. Hope everyone is hey, doing Mike. well, wherever they might be. It is uh, a delight to have you back. And and really, it's, it's, it's really cool to have you back and have Jenny, who all, I'm pulling her comments from our cheap seats all the time in these sessions. It's so neat to have my friend Jenny here on this episode. As I said, Greg White is on assignment somewhere, right, Mike? Yeah, assignment. We use that loosely <laughs> around here once a month, right? So yeah, he's on assignment, everyone. Oh, I love it. Okay. So let's have a little more fun. Before we pose some hard-hitting questions to Mike Griswold, I want to pose a fun warm-up question to both of y'all. So y'all know I love history and business history. Well, tomorrow, December 9th, 
is the 10th anniversary of Michelle Norris becoming the first African-American female regular co-host of NPR's National Public Radio's All Things Considered program. It is it's like comfort food. I've always thought comfort food of listening. And I'll tell you that in conjunction with um, Paul Harvey's The Rest of the Story, which I heard a lot as a kid, those are two of the, the short list reasons that I'm doing what I'm doing now because those two folks, Michelle and Paul, really inspired me. So using that as a backdrop, and Mike, let's start with you. What was a radio or television show that may have inspired you in your journey? So I think when when we were thinking about the the top 25 and how did we want to kind of share that in the reveal and how do we want to bring that out to organizations? One of the things we're thinking about is I watch probably more than I should uh, a fair amount of ESPN. And there's a couple of shows around the horn, pardon the interruption, where you've got people in a very conversational type of environment, just bouncing things off, bouncing things off each other, either agreeing or disagreeing and just really having a dialogue. And we thought, wouldn't that be great to do that around our supply chain top 25? So when we were doing the reveal live in, in Phoenix, uh, whether it was AMR or early days of uh, the Gartner acquisition, you know, we had analysts come up on stage and talk about the companies as we were revealing them in what we felt was a very conversational, just like you know, if you were at a bar discussing your favorite sports team. So that format where you give people an opportunity to, to share an idea and have a point and a counterpoint and, and just have an unscripted discussion, that really, I think, was, was one of the things that's helped us you know, have the success we've had around the top 25. I love it. And have fun while you do it. I mean, yes. what, you know, that creates more interest for folks that are consuming and watching the, the conversations take place. So Mike, I never stopped to think about what could have been some of y'all's inspiration there. And it makes total sense. Uh, so Jenny, that's going to be tough to beat. Uh, so, so It's going to be very tough to beat. It's a very clever answer as well. So my, my rather flippant answer, the first part of it, is that I always wanted to be able to swim with Flipper. And I used to dream, dream of swimming with Flipper. About that. The wonderful okay. dolphin. Yeah. yeah. And then my, my less flippant is in, in memory of Kirsty Alley and Cheers, which is one of the funniest shows, in my opinion, ever on television, apart from Golden Girls. But that inspired me because the central character is a reformed or a recovering alcoholic who bought a bar. And for me, aged, I don't know, in my early teens, that was like, why would you put that temptation in front of yourself like that? And what self-control? So it's always been a, Sam Malone has always been a a character of strong self-control for me, except when it came to women. (laughs) <laughs> we'll save that for another show, right? Yeah. Mike, were you a big Cheers fan? I was a huge Cheers fan. I, I'm glad you brought that up, Jenny. One, when we lived in Massachusetts, you know, we we made the the obligatory tour over to the to the mm-hmm. Cheers bar. That the characters on that show, I mean, I, I think in many ways, Cheers probably paved the way for Seinfeld from the standpoint that you you can have this eclectic group of characters that hang out in a particular place, a bar, you know, Jerry's living room, and they have these unique conversations. You know, I I would equate Cliff Clavin with Kramer, right? Just the the idiosyncrasies that they had, the the things that would come out of their mouths. I mean, it was amazing. I don't know that that Seinfeld had Norm, but Norm in and of itself 
was an incredible character and it was just uh, one of those timeless shows i think agreed you know norm no no think about it norm and kramer both kind of had very memorable entrances right yeah yes. the whole bar very around, good around yes norm. so yes. hey norm <laughs> yes <laughs> all, right. all right and by the way i can't let the one mention that you you dropped there jenny a moment ago the golden girls man mm-hmm. i am a huge fan that yeah. That was one of the best, funniest, best written shows of its time. Yeah. And uh, man, the story. Okay. So let's see here. Tom says, as a kid, he loved watching Tomorrow's World, mm-hmm. which was a program showcasing some of the greatest, latest inventions. Jenny, Mike, does that ring a bell for y'all? I, yeah, not Tomorrow's for, World. Not for me. It's an Eng- English show, right? I always used to find it really boring. Whenever that was on, <laughs> I always used to Because, you know, I like to watch Golden Girls and... I didn't like scientific things. so <laughs> well, We're going to have to look that up. I uh, appreciate you sharing, Tom. But it okay. was very clever, and it was ahead of its time as well. I'd okay. Say. Well, so let's shift gears because we've got the next, uh, I don't know, 40 minutes or so to ask Mike Griswold anything. Now, Jenny, you've got some great questions that, that I'm going to uh, get you to share in just a second. But I want to start. You know, I mentioned on the front end, this is one of our longest-running series here. And we've had all kinds of, of conversations. We've gotten a lot of feedback from our listening audience. So, Mike, out of all those shows, probably going back, uh, I don't know, two and a half, three years now, maybe, what is one of your favorite shows you've been a part of? I think as, as I was looking at that question, Scott, I was really kind of racking my brain because I, I just have so much fun doing this all the time, right? Every month that they're always fun. But probably the one we did, it was either earlier this year maybe the end of last year where we, the show was all about movies and movie lines and how they related to the supply chain. And I, I liked that because it was fun, right? We got lots of, of audience interaction around the movies. And one of the things that I think helps people is to give them kind of images or, or things that really can relate to the problem we're talking about. So Jaws, we're going to need a bigger boat, right? That's an SNOP problem, right? <laughs> Those types of things, you know, I love doing that. And we had talked at one point, I think someone had made this suggestion that maybe we should do this to music, right? And songs and song lyrics. And how do song lyrics tie to supply chain? So I really, really enjoyed that one. And, and certainly if, if people are interested, would love to do a sequel to that particular episode. But that, that was my favorite. Love it. And we're going to book January. That's going to be the music one. And then we'll do the sequel to the uh, movie, Supply Chain Movies Part 2, because we all have been operating at ludicrous speed, which is a little tip of the hat to uh, tip of Tom's hat to space yes. Spaceballs. Okay. So, Jenny, were you part of that episode with the, where we talked about this? No. Movie? No? I haven't. We must have definitely had. That sounds fantastic. Okay. So, here's, here's your challenge. Here's, here's the one Ask Jenny Anything. Before you leave here today, you got to come up with your cheesy movie analogy to to whatever we're talking about. You can pick whatever. How's that sound? Sounds right. great. And hey, yeah. to our audience, as we as we mentioned on the front end, this uh, load shedding that Jenny's dealing with. If Jenny happens to disappear, our team will be fighting to get her right back in the stream. But we're going to keep on driving. So great to have Jenny and Mike with us. Okay, so we've knocked out the first. We've we've really uncovered. Mike's love for uh, movies and supply chain and that intersection. Jenny, where are we going next with Mike? Well, I think Mike just created a really good segue into the question I was going to, to ask because there's of, of all the supply chains ever, Father Christmas or Santa 
his supply chain has got to be one of the most efficient and one of the most hard to keep resilient and all the rest of it. So, Mike, I'm quite sure you're not going to be able to share what the ones are that are going to be on his naughty list. But can you share with us some of the ones that are going to be on his well done good list post 2022? Yeah, I think it's interesting. And I tend to go back to our supply chain top 25 population when when I think about supply chains that are definitely going in the right direction, have been going in the right direction. And as I looked at that list and I thought about the question, there's three companies that I would use to maybe answer that question, Jane. The first is J&J, so Johnson & Johnson. I think they did a lot of really good work during COVID and getting us a vaccine and getting it to market. And I think they continue to do some really cool things with their supply chain around other types of medicines and things like that. And I do think as we go into kind of this winter season, which for some people could last into March and April, right? Depending on where you live, right? That cold and flu season and just getting antibiotics to places and people that need it, giving people choices around, you know, do you want to get a vaccine or not? I think they've enabled their supply chain for people to be able to make, who want to make those choices to be able to to get, you know, the things that they need. The second one I would call out is Microsoft. You know, they were a new entrant in our top 25 last year. And I think a lot of people were like, what's Microsoft doing in here? And do they even have a supply chain? And if you think about the diversity of their business between the devices and all the stuff they do in the cloud and for the cloud, and the ability to support that in a sustainable way. I think oftentimes when we think about things in the cloud, we think about data centers and you know, to, to the what you're experiencing now, Jenny, the strain on the infrastructure that data centers can put from electrical perspective. But some of the things that Microsoft is doing to alleviate some of that drain on the infrastructure, they're just a really interesting company to watch. And they have an incredible passion for the environment. And the things that they do from an ESG perspective, I think, are setting them up really well. And hey, the really third, quick, Mike, can, yeah, I, can I comment really quick? Oh, please. Uh, also, as in the last few weeks, Microsoft has rolled out its, uh, I think it's called a supply chain center. I'm probably getting the name of it wrong, but they've conducted it and developed it in partnership with several of their, their customers, including uh, Heinz. And it really helps connect all the different platforms and, and tools and, and, and help them communicate with each other but while making better gains and, of course, offering that long sought-after visibility that we've all been after for years now. So interesting. Um, I, I'm glad that Microsoft's on your list uh, as a recent entrant on Top yeah. 25, too. Yeah. The, the third one that I have, we can have a little bit of fun with because it is the holiday season. But in, in, in all seriousness, it's Diageo. So they've got a really a very interesting supply chain. If you think about just the spirits business, right? They've got stuff that it, you know doesn't really make it to market for 25 or 30 years potentially, right? If you're talking about a, a good whiskey, they've got stuff that comes to market much sooner. But if you think about their supply chain in general, and not that I'm a frequent visitor to my local liquor store, but when I'm there, very rarely is any of the Diageo products or are any of the products out of stock. Very rarely would I ever have to make a trade-off decision between this spirit and that spirit. And to do that, especially during the holidays, is certainly challenging, right? When when the volume picks up dramatically, but even just over the course of the year and of course of the holidays, you know, they do a really good job uh, of working with 
you know, their supply base and then obviously getting out to the distributors and the other resellers of their spirits. They're another one that's been in our supply chain top 25 for a while, you know, has has gone up some years, dropped a little bit other years, but has a really, really good supply chain. And I think, again, is positioned very well for 2023. All right. So Johnson Johnson, Microsoft and Diageo. And look at Jenny and Mike, <laughs> Tony on the money. 57 varieties of visibility with Heinz Very Microsoft. good. Love Very that, good. Tony. Nice. Uh, and Helene, great to have you uh, back with us. I, I want to say you're dialed in from France, I believe, via LinkedIn. But correct me if I'm wrong. Jenny, that's quite a list. Uh, J&J, Microsoft, Diageo. What was uh, one of your favorite observations Mike just shared there? Well, that he doesn't visit his liquor store very often. But, <laughs> but apart from that, um, you know, it's it's great to know, you know, all three of those organizations have got a very strong presence in South Africa and take supply chain education seriously. So it's really, really cool and great answer. Thank you very much. So Jenny, that. that was such a great question you posed. And boy, wouldn't it be an interesting hour if Mike could speak to the naughty list, but we'll save that <laughs> for next year, maybe. Jenny, what's, what, what's your next question for Mike? So Africa, and here we sit, and I think we're, you know, an example of, of what's not great, failing infrastructure or not, and in some countries it's not even failing, it's just not there. And yet there have been phenomenal in, innovations in the supply chain space, and there are spectacular supply chain practitioners who are really working so, so hard to make sure that things that things keep going. What's Gartner's sort of take on supply chain management in Africa? I think there's a couple of things, Jenny, kind of in no particular order. I think the requirement for visibility in general, whether that's through things like control towers or other visibility mechanisms, I think because of the size, just the size of the continent, has required people to figure out and invest in visibility types of capabilities so they can know where stuff is, whether it's physical assets like trucks and trailers, whether it's assets around products, whether it's just visibility to inventory uh, and orders and those types of things. I, I think entering into that continent and entering into those countries, visibility has been a top priority. I think not only because of the size of the continent, but also just the different levels of infrastructure and maturity of infrastructure. Mm -hmm. I think that is the other big aha moment for, I think, organizations either standing up or growing supply chains in that continent is the fact that, you know, you can go into one country that is, is highly automated and has a very high reliability around the infrastructure. And you can go right next door and it can be the exact opposite. So building a supply chain that is able to go from, if I think about this from a maturity perspective, right, going from, you know, dealing with people of high maturity to in the very same day and the next set of transactions, dealing with people that that have less maturity, right, whether it's infrastructure or even exposure to to basic technology like WMS systems and TMS systems and all those types of things, it takes a special type of supply chain to deal on those extremes. And I think people are getting better from a supply chain management perspective of, okay, if you have to deal in the extremes, what are those common denominator things you need to be really good at? Things like sales and operations planning, right? Being able to match demand and supply and planning and execution 
across multiple maturity levels. Things like a set of metrics. You know, we have our hierarchy of metrics, but a set of metrics that allows you to to flex around how are you going to measure performance. So those are some of the things that I think people are still, frankly, sorting through and dealing with as they think about how do we stand up a supply chain, you know, in Africa. Jenny, your response there? Yeah, uh, I just I love the fact that Mike immediately talked about the the difference in the countries and that Africa is really not one country. That's part of the challenge is that a lot of people don't recognize that. Um, and it's something we have to keep on educating people about. So thanks, yeah. Mike. Well said, Jenny and Mike. And you know, Jenny, uh, out of all our uh, interviews together, certainly if we think we've got challenging final mile uh, issues around the world as trying to get the vaccine out. And and I, and, and I recall, I cannot remember which guests on the Supply Chain Leadership Africa series said it, but there's some rivers that had no bridges that they had to find a way of uh, making things happen. So uh, but thank you, Mike, for your response there and Jenny for all the great work you're doing. Finishing <laughs> that thought, no pun intended, but you know, it takes bridge builders and, and, and not talking that final mile, but really talking about the proliferation of supply chain know-how and networking and information. And Jenny, you and, and SafePix are doing such a great job there. Uh, but Mike, what were you going to say? Yeah, I, I think the challenge too, I mean, Jenny hit it spot on, right? You know, that while it's one continent, it's certainly a collection of hundreds of countries, all in different parts, different stages, you know, in their evolution, right? Particularly if we think about it from a supply chain. And the things, you know, Jenny, what you're dealing with now, just the general concept of sustainable power, right? Mm -hmm. That many, even some countries within Africa can take for granted. Not everyone can do that. And I think about, you mentioned the bridges and I immediately went to water. And I think about some of the conversations I've had with Pepsi and Coca-Cola as an example, around the things that they're doing to introduce sustainable water sources in some of the African countries where they're working because it wasn't there. And some of the infrastructure things like water and power that we take for granted often are the very first step in standing up a supply chain in some of these organizations. And the other thing you mentioned the last mile, I I can vividly remember briefings from Pepsi around the supply chain top 25 where they were delivering Pepsi on bicycles Mm. and other, you know, to get to a mom and pop type of store using things like bicycles to, to get product from point A to point B. And the last thing is, and what I worry about, and Jenny, maybe a, a good way to bring you back in to get your thoughts on this, I worry about the temptation to potentially take sustainability shortcuts in some of those developing countries in Africa because we are in such a hurry to stand up a supply chain that we may not necessarily think about <laughs> the sustainability ramifications of that. And I'm hoping we do because, you know, we've talked a lot about ESG and sustainability in our times together, you know, not only within the context of the top 25, but as a very emerging discussion topic for chief supply chain officers. And that's one of my concerns as we continue to drive supply chains in Africa is, is will we keep our eye on the sustainability ball or not? That, that's one of my concerns. Jenny, your thoughts? Well, and will we hold com- companies accountable for the for the greenwashing right. and for the for the storytelling? I think it's you know on a continent where it's so rich in natural resources, there are always going to be challenges in that. And I think it's how do we keep people honest? Basically, is is what the answer is. And we do that going back to your very first point by visibility. 
right. um, and transparency and communication. Great Man, point. We'll have to just lean into an entire uh, one of the future Mike Griswold sessions, <laughs> all dedicated to supply chain topics across Africa. It's a fascinating conversation. And so on a much lighter note, going back to uh, an earlier question, Tom says Diageo, which is one of those on the good list. Uh, Tom <laughs> says Diageo <laughs> owns Guinness, so they get a thumbs up. Nice. <laughs> okay. So I was just getting a call here, Mike, just getting a call from uh, Sam in Seattle uh, for this next question. And it's all about economics. So depending on who you talk to, my barber says we're already in a recession. My uh, uncle says we're heading for one soon. My aunt says, uh, yeah, what your barber says. But regardless, any recent examples of supply chain innovation during these uncertain economic times? I think I, I don't know, Scott. That I well, first of all, I would say I would say we are in one. So I will cast my vote to say we are in one. What I tend to see is not necessarily any new, necessarily new innovation. I'm seeing a lot of efforts put towards existing innovation, particularly in the areas of machine learning and artificial intelligence. And how can we use those technologies with the data we have in a couple of ways? One, continuing to refine the demand signal, right? So how do we take all of the data that we've accumulated as an organization, all of the insights we've gathered around our customers, however we define a customer, and how can we apply some of this more advanced science to really understand what do our customers really want, when do they want it, and then how do we wrap a supply chain around that? So that we can give it to them, you know, reliably and try to do that in a way that is not, you know, continuing to be more and more costly, both for us as someone trying to provide goods and services, but also just for the products themselves. So yeah. the use of, of machine learning and AI, I think, is is continuing to grow. And I think people are seeing it as, you know, one tool to try to do a better job on the demand side, help on the supply side, and deal with with kind of what we're dealing with economically. The other element to that, though, I think is, we've talked about this a lot as well, is the people side of this. So where are we seeing, you know, through this recession, through organizations having to really look at their cost infrastructure, where does machine learning and AI help us do better jobs with the people that we have, right? How do we arm them with more insights? How do we have them help us educate the machine learning and AI tools so they can help make better decisions. So I don't know, Scott, that it's necessarily new innovation. I think it's the continued evolution of innovation that we already have. And I see, I'm seeing a lot of effort in that science around machine learning and AI. Yep. Good stuff there. Jenny, your thoughts? Yeah, just absolutely. And it, and it is I was reading a really interesting article by Sean Cooley about how do we educate our children to cope in a world full of AI and technology and how do we teach them now on how to do that? And I think that that's something that, that is, really needs to be highlighted in this, in this world of technology. So true, Jenny. Good stuff there. Hey, really quick, you know, this has been a tough environment for uh, startups and, and getting funding mm. and, and I uh, can't remember the numbers, so I'm not going to try, but deals getting done has taken, taken a hit in the last uh, six, eight months. But there's still some bright spots out there. And Mike and Jenny, the last time I was with Enrique Alvarez, who's part of a Vector Global Logistics we talked about on the front end that's doing great work in Ukraine and elsewhere. Enrique took me over to a, an office across the way, and I met Cam Newton, who has started a logistics tech startup. Wow, I don't good know the for name him. Of it. Yeah, and, and we're talking uh, Mike. And Jenny, 
So I, I've never, you know, I don't meet too many famous folks. I saw um, when, when Cam stood up, if you think, you think football players are big, I would hate to be the person trying to sack Cam Newton yes. when he was quarterbacking teams, yes. you know, Carolina and New England and other teams. So anyway, down to earth, approachable. He's got a clear vision and mission for where he's taking his company. So uh, anyway, if Cam's listening, shout out to, to you and appreciate uh, entrepreneurs that are still pushing their chips in during these challenging times. Okay. And we've covered a lot of ground already. We want to go, let's see here. Let's go to this question. All right. So Mike, this is going to be, uh, this is maybe the question I'm, I'm most interested in getting you and Jenny's thoughts around. Uh, who to thunk? Is ask Mike anything? I'm trying to lump Jenny in there too. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a bit scary. <laughs> so, yeah, so poor, Mike, poor, poor Jenny, guilt by association. That's, that's right. not what she signed up for, Scott. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get some good news. You know, we love good news around here, Mike. So, what is one of global supply chain's greatest challenges you believe will make a lot of progress addressing in 2023? Yeah, when when we when I saw your email, th- this is the one that I I gave and I gave I gave most thought and and I want to bring us back to one of the macro trends that we saw in our 2022 supply chain top 25 research, and that was this idea that chief supply chain officers are going to evolve into chief ecosystem officers, with the premise being that organizations are now starting to realize that there are some larger problems that they typically around you know environmental and social topics that they can't really solve on their own. They're going to need help. They're going to need partners. And oftentimes those partners are people that 99% of the time they may actually compete with. And I think we've seen that continuation. We've seen that happen over the course of 2022. And I expect that idea of cooperation, coopetition, I, I expect to see that to continue through 2023. The reason for that, you mentioned, you know, the recession kind of regardless of where, whether you think we're in it or not, you know, certainly there are economic headwinds that are going to take us into 2023. And working together and partnering together and, and realizing that there are other people going through similar things as your organization is, and how do you band together to solve, you know, whether it's, you know, ocean plastics or whether it's more renewable energy. I'm just excited about, you know, the fact that we kind of covered this trend. We're seeing more and more organizations embrace it. And we're seeing just more and more organizations work together to solve problems. And being able to set aside kind of the fact that we compete head to head for a customer, but we're going to work together for a broader planet topic, that's that's really encouraging. And, and I'm seeing more and more of it. I'm seeing the continued elevation of the chief supply chain officer, even within his or her own organization. The fact that more and more people now realize and know, A, what a supply chain is, and B, the value that it can bring an organization and broader society. So all of those things have me really excited about this idea of managing across an ecosystem. And I think we'll see more of that in 2023. Love that, mm-hmm. Mike. That's certainly lots of good news. Jenny, your uh, your thought there? So my lad said, hashtag team. Together, everyone achieves yeah. more. Had to get it in there. But, but it is so true. Collaboration is the only way. Some of the problems are so huge that the only way we're going to be able to right. do it is by doing it together. And one of the things I hope we're going to see is the actual 
development of individuals who manage the supply chains. And that's not just textbooks, it's actually skills in industries that don't realise that they have supply chains. So things like pharmacy, uh, public health, etc., where we're teaching the right people the right skills is going to empower them. And I think those discussions are being had more and more and they're filtering into action now. So I think we're seeing quite a lot of that going on and I hope that trend continues. Yeah, Jenny, it's, it's a great point. We just finished a, a really large piece of research where we examined what's going on with frontline workers. So warehouse people, factory people, and what can we do for them that we've already been doing, say, for office workers around flexibility, right? Hybrid, you know, in-person. What can we start to do for those frontline workers that can give them some of those same work-life balance experiences. And I think we're going to hear and see more of that as we move into 2023, not just because of, of our research, but I think people are recognizing that we need to provide those flexible options for those frontline workers. We need to be able to provide job flexibility. It might look a little bit different than it does for someone in a traditional office role, but we need to find ways to, to, to engage create better work-life balance for those for those workers and i think we'll see some of that in 20 more of that in 2023 yeah well said there hey jenny why don't we swoosh you out i think you've got to make a power a uh, switch let's go ahead and swoosh you out and we'll be welcoming Ooh, you in wait. as we start to wrap in just a second so jenny we'll I see love you in just a minute swooshed. <laughs> All right. And we'll welcome Jenny back in just a minute. All right. So, Mike, uh, I want to go back to healthcare for a second. That's one of the things Jenny also mentioned. Shame on me, but I just stumbled across Gartner's healthcare supply chain. Uh, pop. Yes. Pop, yeah. And that really has inspired us. We're going to be doing a lot more healthcare uh, supply chain mm-hmm. content and celebrating leadership and innovation and bottom line outcomes. Outcomes, of course, being big in, in healthcare. And I want to say, should I had it handy? I think Cleveland Clinic came in at number one, if I'm not mistaken, Mike, or at least near the top. I think they were number one. But that's it's fascinating what supply chain leaders are doing in healthcare, right? Um, it is. When you think about the, even what we saw during COVID, right? Vaccines, some that had to be kept at an incredibly low temperature, had a relatively fixed life cycle, right? You weren't going to be giving people expired vaccines. When we didn't really know what kind of traction were we going to get with the vaccine, right? keeping this apolitical, right? We, you, you just didn't know, right? The vet, you, so how much are you going to make available right. given that you know, it doesn't la- last or live forever? You've got very passionate points of view on both sides of getting a vaccine versus not getting a vaccine. So managing all of that you know, from, a, from a demand and supply perspective, in, incredibly difficult. And, and I can remember early in the pandemic talking with the J&Js and the Pfizer's of the world having to come up with you know, just brand new delivery mechanisms right? Packaging and transportation, all very different than what they had experienced, you know, pre-COVID. So, and then I think we, we do in some ways, I think need to give, I'll loosely call it kind of the government some, some credit, which I'm rare to do, um, <laughs> which is around just recognizing that, that this idea of the bureaucratic way that we had made some of these drug approval decisions, it needed to be faster. It needed to be faster. It still needed to maintain the level of safety that we all come to expect, but it needed to be faster. And I think that's one thing that, that we can take away as a positive is, is I think we did learn how to get life-saving medicine into the people that needed it you know, more quickly than maybe we were able to do in the past. 
Yeah. You know, I think not taking anything away from the healthcare industry and having uh, done some work with different hospitals, especially rural hospitals that have their own unique challenges. Yeah. And we've seen, unfortunately, so many of those facilities close this year in Georgia in the last few years. But uh, hopefully there's there's good disruption coming that will help free up and allow uh, leaders to do more creative, innovative, uh, and new things that challenge what I'll call healthcare industry norms, right? Right. Uh, so we'll see. We're going to keep our finger on the pulse. And if you're a healthcare supply chain leader and you've got a story to tell, reach out to our team here and we'll see if we can't find an interview for you. All right. So we're going to talk. We're going to give Jenny a chance to rejoin. I hope she does. I'm going to hit a couple of quick comments here. Greg, speaking of uh, fellow entrepreneurs, uh, Greg is in the produce industry doing some cool things. And he's echoing your comments here. AI is amazing. It will be a game changer in farming. Greg would love to know. I agree with you. Uh, would love to, if you have any particular application in mind, would love to have you uh, share. Uh, T-Squared, who holds the fort down mm. for us on YouTube, says economic times such as these serve as a necessary reality for business and their strategic planning to show if the plan is steeped in reality, especially in the matter of HR headcount, purchasing, and inventory management. Okay, good stuff there from T-Squared and great to have you back. And then I'm going to share these final two and then we're going to switch Jenny back in. Tony says, uh, like managing across boundaries from Mike and Jenny team skills. Uh, I think that's a compliment between the two, how y'all work together and how you're tackling like our conversation here today. Tony also says, I spoke to Wendy Phillips earlier this year. She does healthcare research. One great opportunity is redistributive manufacturing. Thank you for sharing, Tony. We're going to look into that. And big thanks to what uh, the work Wendy is doing. Okay, let's swoosh in. My one and only co-host, Jenny uh, Froome, back into the conversation. All right. Oh, so exciting. So, so let me go back. And Jenny, welcome back. Great to have you. I'm glad all that worked. I appreciate what you're doing to manage these curveballs. I think Tony, come back to Tony's comment, managing across boundaries or perhaps borders, which is what both of y'all were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. So, Tony, I think that is such a great analysis or um, a comment. And it's so universal because if it's not geographic borders or boundaries, it's interpersonal borders or boundaries, it's functional. I mean, there's so many different ways you can that we have that challenge. So good stuff there. Jenny and Mike, let's talk for a second while we still have a couple more minutes with Mike. Mike, any methodology changes for the top 25 next year? Yes. Uh, and I'm in the process of wrapping up a blog that I'll put out to highlight this. There, there's a couple around the ESG side. So we have couple of years ago, introduced um, science-based targets into the methodology and what co- companies were able to to accumulate points based on either the setting of targets or the commitment to set targets within the one bucket that we call commitment. For 2023, we're separating that so they can still get a point if they've committed to set targets. But companies that have actually set science-based targets and have made them available to sciencebasedtargets.org, we're going to give some points in the transparency section for actually having having set targets. The other thing we're doing on the ESG front is we've got some technology and some resources uh, within our research part of Gartner that allows us to go out to the company list that's part of the top 25 methodology and mine websites for companies that have actually published sustainability reports 
published environmental health reports, those types of things. So we're also going to recognize that within the transparency section. So if companies have published a sustainability report within the last two years, they'll be eligible for some points there. So we're continuing to evolve the ESG component uh, of the methodology. And then we're doing some things within the return on physical assets portion of the methodology. So right now, one of our three financial measures is return on physical assets. What we've been measuring is just the absolute performance. So a three-year weighted average of of what has Europa been. We're now going to add to that, how has Europa changed over time? So we feel that return on physical assets for our methodology is better than return on assets because it gets us closer to the assets, the supply chain can influence or control. But we also feel that, you know, good supply chains have uh, return on physical assets that improves over time. So we're going to do a three-year weighted average of the change in ROPA and add that to within the ROPA calculation. So those are the big things we're doing for 2023. 2024, just to tease people, will be the 20th anniversary of the top 25, believe it or not. And we've got some more things we're thinking about for 2024 that might be a little bit bigger. But 2023, I, I think between the ROPA change and the ESG additions, I think we're going to see some interesting things within the top 10. So two comments, and Jenny would welcome yours. One, I love how it's living and breathing. I think that should be table stakes for initiatives like this or bodies of knowledge out there because the industry is changing, is living and breathing, and it's really important to um, to match that. I think secondly, Jenny, I don't know about you, but return on physical assets, ROPA, the acronym there, that's given me a new way of uh, introducing metrics to my three kids because I'm not sure if we're getting a good return on their bedrooms and so their, <laughs> their physical, physical assets. assets. Yes, yes. So we're going to apply a new metric there. There you um, go. <laughs> so Jenny, there you go. Jenny, there's a couple of comments I'm going to reference here in a minute, but um, your thoughts there as you heard kind of some of the methodology changes for the top 25 next year. Well, I just I love the fact that it's twenty going to be twenty years old in two years time. I think that's amazing, and and to revisit those first top twenty five and see how they've progressed or not, and really just to understand. So I'm going to do some research after this. Thank you very much. (laughs) Yeah, Jenny, it's it's interesting because we've been kicking around. So it is the twentieth. What are we going to do? That is one of the things we're gonna we're gonna build into. one of our symposium presentations is just to look back. Mm -hmm. So if we think about the very first list, right, who was on it? Mm -hmm. Where are we today? How many people have been around for all 20 years, right? Somewhere in the list. Certainly the supply chain of 20 years ago doesn't look anything like our supply Mm -hmm. chains today. And you would expect some churn in that list in terms of people that maybe were there in the early times, you know, maybe not there now. But I also think it's a testament if we do have some companies that have been able to evolve and continually iterate on their supply chain and have yeah. managed to be in there all 20 years. I mean, that that's huge. Amazing. Our masters are kind of a surrogate for that. You have to have a top five composite score seven in the last 10 years. So we're looking at kind of a 10-year window for our masters. But to go back to its inception, it will be interesting to take a look at that. Awesome. And the people, that yeah. will be interesting too. That's an excellent call out, Jenny. That's my favorite part, at least. Uh, the people that make it up, make it happen. Hey, Mike, we've got a great series this week in business history. As you reflect on those years past, we'll have to set up a couple interviews and uh, drop yeah. it in that channel. Yeah. We'll see. Great Speaking, time. there's a couple of great comments here. Uh, <laughs> my, my mom, Leah Luton of Aiken, <laughs> South Carolina says, Hey, mom. <laughs> you get great returns. 
on your kids. That's, that's such, I'm getting called out by my <laughs> such mom. a grandma. <laughs> so love that. Wallace, hope this finds you well. And I'm going to check out Wallace says he sent to our LinkedIn page here at Supply Chain now his project on the Apex ASCM and his reinstatement of them with the United Nations Global Compact. Mm, he says yeah. it was dated a few years ago, but it's a great story, even if I do say so myself. Wallace, we're going to check that out. And uh, thank you for sending that to me. And then finally, Greg says that we were, we were asking him for kind of you know AI applications, some of his favorites in, in kind of farming. Greg says, you're going to have machines picking right produce at the right time, and it can pick 24 hours a day. There's prototypes yeah. out there that can laser weed a field and plot each plant in a field. Say that eight times fast. Yeah. <laughs> um, Greg, fascinating. And I appreciate you sharing. Uh, and um, man, the power of real artificial intelligence, yeah. not, not uh, stuff that folks label and, and go out there and sell, but folk, that really is changing how we do things is, is amazing. I'll I'd like to introduce Greg to Yako Mas. Do you remember we had Yako on the, on the show? Yes. Um, last year i think i'm doing using ai in the cattle in the business mm. and and wool industry yes. which is over here in south africa we're gonna have to revisit that for sure uh and, and make that connection so mm. while we still have mike jenny you uh reminded me you've got a special anniversary coming up but before we talk about that mike we're going to protect your time as well what's coming up next at gartner and how can folks connect with you so the the usual mechanisms email linkedin work fine um it's we're kind of in our slower season now. We we've, we're wrapping up. People can see probably by end of this month we'll have published our agenda for our two symposium. So people can start taking a look at that. Orlando and Barcelona, May and June, and we'll be spending you know most of January, February, and March building the content. But we want to get the sessions out there to people so they can start to see what you know what piques their interest in. And get people registered. You know, we, we expect another really big turnout in Orlando. We're in a different venue in Barcelona. We sold out London, I think I mentioned before, for our event this year in September. But we've got plenty of space for people in May in Orlando, plenty of pe- space for people in Barcelona in June. So would ask people just to, when that's available, take a look at the agenda and, and consider joining us in, in May or June. Outstanding. You know, I was with uh, Gartner Events in June and October in Orlando. Uh, one being the supply chain symposium and first class conversations and the learning and the networking you've got available uh, is outstanding. So y'all check that out. Mike, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for joining us. Jenny, home run once again, wasn't it? Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, really interesting. Thank you so much. So Mike, we're going to see you back soon. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year to you and your family. And we're looking forward to the music version of uh, Supply Chain Today and Tomorrow with Mike Griswold in January. Thank you so much, Mike Griswold. Thanks, everyone. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. You too. Yeah, same back. All right, Jenny. So speaking of anniversaries, you know, you and I interviewed the great Nikki Scott this morning, CEO Mm -hmm. of the Commercial Transport Academy, doing some really interesting things. You know, Mike, it's interesting. I, I meant to bring this up earlier when Mike was talking about the need for like, he didn't say motor bikes, but like bicycles and stuff. And yeah. that's one of the things Nikki is focused on is helping folks yeah. earn these, you know, m- motorbike positions that which is are in great demand, and that's just yeah. the tip of the iceberg. But Jenny, tell us about your special anniversary coming up in early summer, or I guess uh, in June. I'll yeah, call it. in June. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure whether to be proud of it or horrified by it, 
But, uh, but SAPIX has an annual conference, which is considered to be one of the leading events for supply chain management in Africa. And I've been managing, this will be my 25th annual conference, which is kind of scary. Mm. But also, I'm very proud of that, too. And as I said earlier, it certainly makes me feel very old. Well, you know what? All the work you've done, and that's just one piece of everything else you do. There's a book to be written that cover those 25 events. And maybe when you get a chance to catch your breath and reflect back, this is going to be a very special uh, June for you. And, and who knows? We hope to see you there in person and finally oh, make one of these yeah. SAPIX annual conferences, which are We've heard so much. You got so many Raven Just fans. Just imagine out there. all those secrets I could share, all those <laughs> stories I could tell. What's and, it worth here? <laughs> that's right. All right. We'll see if Amanda and, and me, and maybe you, uh, oh, we get old Greg White off assignment and have him join us too. But thank you so much, Jenny, for being here today. How can folks connect with you and SAPIX? Uh, LinkedIn, Jenny Froome, as in F-R-O-O-M-E. And there it is. It's right there. Um, and SAPIX is uh, SAPIX, S-A-P-I-C-S dot O-R-G. Love that. It's just that easy to reach out. Uh, if Jenny's not part of your network, your network is subpar, at least in my opinion. <laughs> so, you. hey, really quick, Tony. <laughs> so, Greg mentioned some of the AI applications. Tony's like, hey, Greg, I need the details for my garden. I love that. Let's see here. Uh, Tom is congratulating Jenny on those 25 oh, years. thank you. I agree. And and Kim, we're the one only Kim winner from Dubai. Great to see you, Kim. And Tony, a lot, lots of congrats coming in for the great work you do there. And we're all big fans of Jenny Freeman. As I shared earlier, I think I'm still uh, at least co-chair of the Atlanta <laughs> club of the Jenny Froome fan club. So uh, Jenny, always a pleasure. Keep doing the good stuff. Appreciate your time here today. And we're going to do it again soon. Y'all stay tuned for our release of the episode with uh, Nikki Scott. But uh, thank you, Jenny. Yeah, thank, thank you all. And thanks for putting up with the technical glitches. Um, and thanks for the great engagement. The, the cheap seats have got real class. Man, I, I'm going to steal that line from you. The cheap seats have such <laughs> real class. And, and she says it so much more uh, compelling than I do. But folks, uh, big thanks to Jenny. Big thanks to the folks behind the scenes. Amanda, Chantel, uh, Catherine, Clay, you name it, All the folks help make production happen. Thanks to everybody that did show up in the cheap seats, including the one Leah Luton from Aiken, South Carolina. Thanks for burning me there. Or as my, my middle child, Gracie, would say, burn, burn. <laughs> Uh, they, may not, they may not say it anymore because, you know, two-week fads, but regardless, thanks, Mom. Uh, to our listeners, hey, thanks for being with us. Thanks for all the comments. Thanks for doing what you do, especially if you're out there in global supply chain, moving us all forward and still these challenging times. It's like we move from one challenge to the next. The hits keep on coming. But uh, on behalf of our entire team, thank you for what you do. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. And to all of our listeners, Scott Luton challenging all of you to do good, to give forward, and to be the change. Be like Jenny Froome, and we'll all be better off. We'll see you next time right back here at Supply Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now.